0: turn their retirement goals into reality and improve their lives. And now, here's your host, Ross Brannan. Welcome to the show. My guest today is Levy Barlaby. Levy is a healthcare attorney from Los Angeles, California, who has won several awards, earned several speaking engagements, has been a great help to Dennis throughout his career. Levy, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you, Ross. Thanks for having me.
0: So you have a a very unique experience. We we hear about you know I'm in Florida, you're in California, but every other billboard in Florida is a personal injury bill attorney billboard, and you, you see you know the litigators and movies and things like that, or the criminal defense attorneys. But you don't hear about healthcare attorneys a lot. But as a guy who works with dentists, I see a tremendous need for it. So tell me a little bit about what a healthcare attorney does.
1: Well, it's a broad term, you know, specifically for me, I help doctors with their business transactions. So I help doctors in different verticals uh, with startups, acquisitions of practices, sales of practices, private equity, joint venture agreements, basically all the business contracts associated with a dental practice or other type of healthcare practice. I assist them in negotiating them and drafting them for those big deals that they get involved in throughout their career. And so one of those things is like entity formation, correct? Yeah. So if you think about it, when you're starting a practice, you got to answer ask a lot of questions for yourself. What type of entity am I going to use? What type of large commercial agreements do I have to sign up for, like a commercial lease agreement? This is especially critical for dentists. And so I will work with client on helping them set up the framework for their practice to be successful in the future. And then also assist them with the financing because they got to get financing in order to start up a project or put them in touch with the right people who are going to help them get that project off the ground.
0: Yeah, that's really key because like in Florida, a single member LLC doesn't have liability protection, but a dual member LLC does. And so these are the types of things that you're going to help them help them do. Should it be an S-Corp? Should it be an LLC? Should it be a C-Corp? based on the situation there. So yeah. how did you get into this space? It's not something you hear about like in law school. It's like Usually it's like a real estate attorney, defense attorney, or you know the personal injury attorney or, or the prosecutor or something else. How'd you get into
1: this space? Yeah, I, I took a pretty circuitous route to get here. So I didn't know that I was going to be a deal attorney or healthcare attorney when I went to law school, Georgetown. When I came back to Los Angeles, where I live, I started working in uh, defense litigation, employment litigation matters, and it just wasn't my cup of tea. I just did not enjoy it. I thought the process was uh, poorly constructed. It didn't lead to good outcomes, um, and I didn't like the work that I was doing. I come from a large family of health providers. I have a sister who's an OBGYN. I married a dentist myself. I have other doctors, cousins. Who are doctors and so when i decide to go out on my own as you do uh if you go out on your own and you're specialized you end up doing a lot of different types of work so for me it was kind of a natural progression because i had a contingency of doctors in my life and in my extended network and once i went on my own they started asking me to review their contracts hey i have to set up a corporation I'm about to buy a practice And the the light bulb kind of went off for me. And I said, this sounds interesting. So I did a lot of learning, postgraduate learning on business transactions and the nuances of healthcare transactions. And that that was kind of the nucleus of the practice a couple of years after I started. And once I knew what I was going to do, it kind of took off from there. Wow. It's
0: really interesting. And sometimes it takes a while to find a niche, but once you find a niche, it's so critical just to... To dig down in that thing and it, it just takes off. So, let's talk a little bit about why I need a healthcare attorney if I'm a dentist. And you know, most people are like, well, you know, I can read a lease or you know, I can go online and set up my articles of uh, organization for my LLC or whatever. Why do I need to hire
1: a healthcare attorney? The way I explain it to clients who ask me that question is that. You know, the experience of working with a certain segment of clients and only those clients, I don't service small businesses. I service healthcare businesses. So working with dentists for the last 10 years has given me a additional amount of knowledge in those deals that I can leverage to help them in their transactions. So basically, you know, I am no different from a business attorney. So they do about 80% of what I do, but there's about a 20% difference where there's nuance to the deals that are specific. Like if you want to set up a corporation, I've seen a lot of CPAs or even general business attorneys in California set up uh, general corporations or LLCs. Well, if you work in healthcare, or if you read the rules, you understand that's not permissible. You have to have a professional corporation to set up and you can only practice under a professional corporation similar with the leases you know there's nuances to these leases that dentists have to really be worried about that is a difference between setting up a dental practice versus a store that's just going to sell widgets so we're really really concerned about relocation clauses in the lease we're really concerned about recapture clauses that terminate the lease upon assignment and it's going to grab all and ruin the equity of a practice So these are kind of the nuances. I think that any specialized attorney that works with a segment of clients can 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 give better value when they're working with a specialized attorney. What about employment contracts? Do you do in that space? I do. Yeah, absolutely. And so,
0: what do you see? You know, the typical dentist. He's you know he he's running his day to day practice. What do you see the biggest mistakes? that a
1: dentist is making from a legal perspective that's easily fixable wow that's a very broad open-ended question <laughs> there's so, there's so many you well, know pick the easiest yeah one. You you know, know, fruit. everything in a practice is all in a business is about how much risk are you willing to tolerate so it's all and about so liability it always comes down to liability. All, it's all about liability and so You know, one, I'll give you an example of of one thing. When When I work with a client who's starting a practice, I always tell them, you have to work with the end goal in mind. Don't worry about the legal stuff. Don't worry about the framework and all this stuff. Tell me what your goal is so that we can work backwards to set up the contracts and the right type of entity to get you to where you're going to be. So, you know, so one thing is, you know, working with goals and working backwards allows you to create efficient systems and structures so you don't cause headaches for yourself down the line. Liabilities really grow with the practice. And if you do things right from the outset, you're gonna suffer less in the end. You
0: know, how many times have you seen somebody just be, just be cheap and not wanna spend, you know, not a lot of money to make sure something's done right. And then it
1: costs them exponentially more down the road yeah i mean we i I did a lease a few years ago where in the lease agreement there was a relocation clause what this is basically it allows a landlord to unilaterally relocate a practice to any space in the building that the landlord wants and this particular relocation clause didn't have anything that would mitigate for the amount of build out the dentist put you know it could cost three four hundred thousand dollars to build out a practice or the size, right? If you're a six-op practice running at full speed, and all of a sudden you're going into a space that only allows for four operatories, you know, do the math, that's a significant hit on your gross revenue. So we were able to get that relocation clause out. That clause specifically wouldn't be as significant for someone who's selling shoes because they just put shelves and boxes, you know, in the back and they're fine. But for a dentist who has such capital investment, well, three months in, the landlord, not knowing that they agreed to this, tried to relocate my client. Oh wow. And and so if we didn't have that clause in there, you know, that client would have suffered an enormous headache in terms of the costs of doing business with that landlord.
0: That would have easily been a hundred X. 100x the amount of money you were they paid you. Yeah. In the cost, it
1: would be 100 100x. Yeah. Money. If you're spending a few thousand dollars, I always tell my client, you know, just look at a lease. If you're spending seventy eighty thousand dollars a year on rental payment, you multiply that by the year of the lease, ten years. That's an eight hundred thousand dollar investment. You know, a few thousand dollars to have a set of eyes that specialize to look at it and protect you is really just an insurance policy. I don't begrudge actually clients. I don't, you know, who who don't want to spend the money, so long as they know and they've baked in the risk for that somehow in their business plan moving forward. So you know, it, it's to each they have to figure out what they're willing to tolerate in a business. That makes perfect sense. Let's talk a little bit
0: about buy-sells, buy-sell agreements. Uh, I see those at a decent amount with, with when you're dealing with partners. How often do you see partners who just don't have
1: a buy sell and you have to go kind of clean that up often, often. So, you know, we're talking about an agreement that's going in a partnership. When we have a group practice between the doctors, the partners that protects their equity stake so that the practice can't just be split up or a partner can't sell to someone else or mitigates for the risk of a partner dying by funding insurance. So you have a lot of these out there, especially, you know, a lot of doctors, when they're starting a partnership, their friends, their colleagues, they just came out of dental school. They're two, three years out. They're on the same level in terms of financial wealth, same mentality. And so they just assume based on their good relationship, they can maintain it. But what happens is over the course of the next 10 years of a doctor's life, going from 27 to 37, they have kids you know, they have uh, marriages, those marriages might break up, they might have suffered disabilities. And so where they started kind of on the same plane, they've kind of diverged in their life. And those outside factors affect the business. And so the buy sell agreement is really the roadmap to mitigate for those issues moving forward, so that you're not suffering, like we said, when those things happen
0: and you've said to me um offline that you know partnerships can be challenging they they start off well typically but you don't typically see a 30 or 40 year partnership so if you go into a partnership you just need to be honest and realize it may not last
1: forever right yeah i always tell my clients i after doing this for 10 years i've i'm winding up a lot of partnerships that i started 10 years ago and they're separating amicably but it's still difficult so I always tell my clients good partnerships, one plus one equals three, but part bad partnerships can have such a negative effect on the practice and kind of setting the ground rules and having buy in early on what might the partnership look like when times are bad, not when times are good, helps the parties kind of get there if, if, if they run into problems.
0: Yeah, that's good insight right there. So let's talk, change gears a little bit about DSOs. Everyone wants to talk about DSOs now. It's the, it's the elephant in the room. If there was ever a time to have a healthcare attorney, it would be when you're selling to a DSO, correct?
1: Yeah, absolutely. That's where you get into, uh, you know, whether you're setting up a DSO or selling to, there's so many uh, compliance rules regarding the corporate practice of medicine, and how to properly um, have non-clinical clinical clinical partnerships or sell to DSO. Um, Selling to DSO particularly, and you know this because we discussed it, it can be particularly difficult for seller doctors if they don't appreciate uh, the level of complexity and the process and what the end result is going to look like after they've uh, made their exit.
0: Yeah, it, it's, you know, as you said, the level of due diligence is is substantially more than if, you know, I was a dentist and I was selling my practice to you as a dentist. And, you know, you're going to look at just a handful of documents, get a feel for it. But it's, it's literally like a financial body cavity
1: search when you deal with, with a DSO. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, when my sellers, you know, a lot of sellers in the business get very, enticed by the multiples that a DSO can offer. And that's great. You should maximize your exit plan, but you have to also appreciate a DSO private equity company that goes into a practice is going to be far more uh, detailed in terms of what they're asking and their due diligence with your financials than a doctor buying a practice. So that's one of the first obstacles. And that just gets multiplied throughout the deal. The deal's more complex, and then you will be expected as a doctor seller to stay on with that DSO for you know three to five years. There might be earnout uh, requirements depending on your employment, so you might not get your entire cash consideration on the sale. And so, if you're not prepared to stay in your practice and as an associate and see it changed by this new management company and you can't stomach that, those three years are gonna be very difficult. And I've had many situations where doctors, you know, they want out after year one, but their payout, their total consideration, part of it's tied to their continuing employment. So, you know, you might not realize the total gain at the end if you're not prepared to meet those commitments. I
0: know, I know doctors who have sold the DSOs at a ridiculous multiple, But after 90 days, they walked away because they hated it so much. So they ended up getting that multiple. They only got 75% of because that's all they had. And so the multiples can look pretty, but these are very shrewd companies. And, you know, there is a lot more to the story than just the dollar bills that are promised. And in my experience, many times, this is a, in my experience, typically a four to five month transaction and slowly but surely they can whittle that price and that multiple down where you were promised x and by the end of the day you're getting like maybe 85 percent of x and and that, that can be a challenge for sure
1: yeah absolutely
0: so you know if i'm just starting out as a dentist you know and i don't have two nickels to put together but i've got a big student loan balance and i'm trying to trying to go be start my own practice and basically leverage up with the bank you know and I, what are the things that I really need to look for in the legal world?
1: Well, I mean, yeah. Uh, first, the non-legal portion of it, the great thing is that these dentists can get 100% financing on their projects because they're good as gold. The default rate on these loans are a fraction of a percent, but they still have to budget. They still have to figure out their cash flow, their burn rates, talk to someone like you to help them get those things in, that, in order but from a legal perspective, I always talk to clients and I, you know, I get calls from clients who want to help with the startup or acquisition and are telling me what they need. And I always listen to them and then take a, take a breath to, you know, just stop them for a second and say, don't worry about the legal components. First, talk to me about your goals, because I like to look at the goals backwards. So, We want to set up a framework whatever it is that's going to help you succeed towards those goals because what ends up happening is if you set up the legal framework the wrong way and it's not synchronized with where the doctor wants to be it's just going to keep compounding and causing headaches later so for instance you know if i have a doctor that wants to be a multiple practice owner right you know, I will set up a different entity for each one of those practices because we want to keep the liability separate. We want to keep the accounting separate so that if they want to unload one of them, um, it's not all housed in one corporation, which is going to make the sales process with that buyer much more difficult. These are questions that you can't really appreciate until you start thinking about the vision and the goals first, and then you start in terms of the business plan and the legal structure. That makes perfect sense. So
0: what do you see I mean you've been doing this a long time and you see a wide variety of things but what, in your opinion what's the biggest risk that the that these
1: dentists are unknowingly taking in getting into practice ownership? Yes. You know it's it's completely non-legal related. It's it has some more to do with them. I think that the success of any business owner and dentists aren't excluded from them is knowing what you not knowing what you don't know and having self-awareness about where your skills are at and so i see a lot of dentists go into practice ownership because they feel like you know their friends are doing it or they go in they want to become a dso multi-practice owner because that's where the downward pressure is coming at but they don't know themselves very well or they don't know their skills or they don't know what they don't know. The most successful dentists are the ones who can identify where their golfing knowledge is and then find the right team to help them. And so the corollary to that is my clients who I see who have had problems are clients who don't appreciate that or have blind spots and just run through doors and, and have to clean up the mess afterwards did that does that make oh, that sense? Makes
0: sense it's very easy to go to school for as long as they go to school and then somewhat think you're invincible and you know everything when you know unfortunately- this, is the,
1: yeah, this is the biggest problem with medical school dental school and you know law school is that they don't train us to be business minded or be business owners you're you're being trained on a technical skill right and so A lot of my clients, you know, I just wish these schools would provide some sort of basic accounting, financial analysis, business planning to give the fundamentals of how to become a successful business owner when they start their own practice. So if there's any gulf, it's, it's that lack of knowledge on the business side of things.
0: So as we wrap up here, if we if you were to give advice to a brand new dental school graduate,
1: what would that advice be? If I would, you know, I talk to a lot of dental school students at the society meetings and on campuses, and I actually don't try to focus on the legal components of it. What I tell them is, you know, create some sort of vision of your career. Don't just listen to what your friends are doing and assume that's what you need to be doing understand where you want to take your career in a year or three years. That might be practice ownership. That might be, you know, becoming more and more specialized and and working three and a half days a week, uh, making a killing, but whatever it is, start there and then use the couple years that you are associate to really gain the knowledge and keep your ears and eyes open and put together the fundamentals that you need to be successful in the career. So whether that is getting you know business classes or legal advice or financial advice, getting your finances order, whatever it is, get yourself set up to meet that vision instead of just kind of you know being a leaf running through the river and just kind of not having intentional added, intentionality with your career. And that's good advice right there. So if people want to get in touch with you to talk to you, what's the best way to get in touch with you? yeah you can you can find me at the pacific health law group uh, if you look me up online my telephone number is 310-776-5384 and uh, i'm on linkedin all over the place so you just look up levy barlavi on linkedin you'll you be are online. on linkedin a lot i see that yeah yeah, yeah. so, so that's i have my great. contact information you can you can contact our office uh anytime Levy,
0: I really appreciate your time. It
1: has been very, very interesting. Thank you, Ross. Appreciate you having me.
0: You've been listening to the Financial Flossing Podcast with Ross Brannon. Tune in next week for our next episode. This has been another episode of Financial Flossing with Ross Brannon, guiding dental professionals to a brighter future. If you liked what you heard, consider subscribing wherever you listen to podcasts.
2: For more on Ross Brannon, visit rossbrannon.com. Registered Representative and Financial Advisor of Park Avenue Securities, LLC, PAS, OSJ, 3664 Coolidge Court, Tallahassee, Florida, 32311, 850-562-9075. Securities, products, and advisory services offered through PAS, member FINRA, SIPC. Financial Representative of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, Guardian, New York, New York. PAS is a wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. North Florida Financial is not an affiliate or subsidiary of PAS or Guardian. California Insurance License Number 0L10073. Arkansas Insurance License Number 16139032. 2021-119535. 423. That last part can also say 2021 119535, expiration April 2023. This podcast is for informational purposes only. Guest speakers and their firms are not affiliated with or endorsed by PAS, Guardian, or North Florida Financial, and opinions stated are their own. Ross is a registered representative and financial advisor of Park Avenue Securities, LLC, PAS, OSJ, 3664, Coolidge Court, Tallahassee, Florida, 32311, 8505629075. Securities, products, and advisory services offered through PAS, member FINRA SIPC, financial representative of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, Guardian, New York, New York. BAS is a wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. North Florida Financial is not an affiliate or subsidiary of BAS or Guardian. Arkansas Insurance License Number 16139032. California Insurance License Number 0L10073. 2022-140344. Expiration 624. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.